Video Junkyard Podcast. Hello there. General Kenobi, you are a bold one. Better work, Why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? Misa caught Binks. Kill him. Kill him now. Do it. Roger, Roger. So uncivilized. Call this a diplomatic solution? No, I call it aggressive negotiations. You were right about one thing, Master. The negotiations were short. A communications disruption can mean only one thing. This is pod racing. Are you an angel? I am a senate. Wow! What do you know? Something wonderful has happened. Annie, I'm pregnant. No! Good. Twice the pride, double the fall. Here is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. He's too dangerous to be left alive. Anger leads to hate. I don't like sand. It's coarse, rough, and irritating. And it gets everywhere. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. <laughs> hate leads to... Your love. What about the joint attack on the Wookiees? At last we will have revenge. And not just the men, but the women and the children too. I love democracy. This is where the fun begins. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to part two of our Star Wars prequel. I would uh, affectionately call part one Prequel Menace. This one I would call Attack of the Fan Base. So that seems appropriate, right? Uh, joining me again is uh, our co-hosts, uh, Joe. Don't do it. Don't fucking do it. <laughs> okay, hold on. Hold on. Do it. <laughs> it is so important to your future that you don't. It is. <laughs> <laughs> How important is my future again? I can't remember. Um, oh shit! I just I, I forgot that I pulled out a uh, sixteen ounce. I, that's not an oh shit. It's it's a bad thing. It's a oh shit. That's an awesome thing. Uh, Peterson. That's how it's going to end. Joe. Oh, shit. I just remembered that I had a Miller High Life Peterson and his friend and cohort, Eric. Yeah, yeah. No, I kind of like generally like Star Wars. Uh, Go Branson. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I generally like everything. I generally yeah. like everything. Heart, uh, Eric, I'm I'm hard to disappoint. Go Branson. Um, <laughs> Called being easily amused. It's a it's a good trait. <laughs> and my 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 amigo from another madre. David, amigo from another Madre, uh, Andrews. Hi. There, that took a good 20 minutes. You guys are in- <laughs> yeah. introduced now? Fucking great. That's the start of this. We're here. We're going to talk here. about the backlash. So if you if you were with us last episode, we talked about the prequel series. Um, we kind of compared them to the sequels. And then we, we ended it on, on a very interesting note, I think, or a good discussion topic. And that's, that's the reaction to the prequels themselves. And we're also maybe touch on the sequels if we feel that. But mainly it's the prequels. That we're giving them the special treatment because why not? Everyone else, like likes to shit on them and we're like maybe they're not a giant you know chamber pot of secrets you know what i mean so we're gonna briefly let's let's talk about the history of backlash guys um joe we'll start with you put you on a fucking spot what about it i don't know (laughs) i I, 
let's let's just start this way. The the backlash of the prequels was pretty hardcore, right? Like yeah, uh, I would say more recently though. I mean, so. I, I know last episode we, we mentioned something like, Eric, I think you brought it up that when when episode one came out, it was critically acclaimed and people generally liked it, right? But then it started fading mm-hmm. off. I will I will mention, I knew one person that that hated the, the first movie, that hated episode one, and that was uh, a girlfriend of a friend of ours that, I, I think I saw episode one like five times in the theater, including opening day, because I was like super excited about the new Star Wars. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it almost came to like a kind of like how many times can I get to the theater to see it kind of a thing. Um, and I remember just going nuts about how much I loved it at the time. And this one girl, same age as me, she was just like, it was terrible. The acting was bad. Pretty much everything we criticized before, she I'll give her credit, she was ahead of it. But then again, she wasn't a huge diehard Star Wars fan. All she knew was that her little brothers loved it. I bring that up because I think the backlash was essentially what was really there. That Especially episode one, this is not a great movie you know and it had a huge amount of hype and insane marketing behind it there were a lot of expectations and i think the people that went to see it because it was a new thing and didn't have a strong tie to the old stuff they were a bit of ahead of the game on recognizing what is real and that is that these this is a very flawed movie um uh, but I think the, the backlash with the prequels was... I think the timing actually was a, appropriate and kind of deserved. When it came out, everybody loved it. And then by the time Attack of the Clones came out, people were starting to already say, I wanted something better. And when Attack of the Clones came out, most people said, yes, that was better. And then when Revenge of the Sith came out, they said that yet again. And then by the time the ba- the kind of hype died down from that, I think is when the real hatred of the prequels happened. I think it was at least a few months to a year after episode three. Well, that's the thing. Like many, many have claimed that the prequels uh, ruined their childhoods in quotes, or at least it ruined the star Wars series for them as a whole. But um, very quickly, do you guys feel that the prequels are that bad to deserve that title? Like have they ruined star Wars or your childhood involved in star Wars? Um, yes or no, but if it's a yes, kind of briefly describe how. So I'll start with uh, David. Um, well, it's a little harder for me to make that um, correlation because the prequels for me were my childhood. Um, mm-hmm. But no, and I think actually, I believe it was Kevin Smith during a Q&A session brought it up pretty well. Like, how could another set of movies possibly ruin your childhood when you still experience the original when you were a child? Like... You had an awesome childhood. You got to literally, you know, watch four, five, and six as a kid. You know, I, uh, I, I don't believe any piece of media can ruin your childhood. I guess long and short of it. That's a good way. That that's yeah. quite a fucking great way of putting it. Uh, what yeah. about what about you, Eric? I think the entire like premise of some movie, like new movie, ruined my childhood is flawed, and it's actually something that lies inside the viewer, and that is the fact that they're looking for. They're trying to find some kind of fulfillment of an experience that is watching a movie for the first time through the eyes of a six-year-old kid, and you just can't do that when you're 32 and living in your mom's basement. I'm, just, I'm not going to expound on that, but... Hey, that's nerd, <laughs> um, that's, that's, like... that's nerd shaman. Sorry. <laughs> Very seriously, it is a magical thing when you see something like that that kind of changes your life when you're six years old. It doesn't matter what it is, if it's Indiana Jones, if it's Star Wars, if it's, you know, m- the multiple other things that we were into when we were growing up. Um, you cannot replicate that experience i don't care how good the movie is i don't care how faithful they are to the source material i don't care you know um what you know how how 
how much they try to appease you as a fan base, they're not going to be able to replicate that that feeling of you being a six year old kid seeing all this shit for the first time. It's it's just uh, that is the magic and that is the thing that it's an experience that we all had with something, whatever it is that was our Star Wars. For us, it probably all was Star Wars, but everyone's got it. It's not. It's you just can't do it. And for anybody going into a movie theater, walking into one of these new Star Wars films or the prequels when they came out, expecting that you know, that magic to recur, they were chasing a dream and it was never going to work. So, um, right. Well, Eric, I, I, I just wanted to, to kind of bounce off what Eric was just saying. I think the closest that you could have for that, and it wouldn't be the same, but it'd be the closest would be, and I know they're out there. I don't know. I've never met one, but I know these people are out there. There are, there are people that saw the prequels as children. Uh, mm-hmm. so they were the target audience that had never seen the original trilogy. Like, that was Star Wars was new to them through Episode 1. And as we mentioned in the last yeah. episode, Episode 1 was actually, of the of the prequel trilogy, was the only one that actually really kind of pushed some boundaries on special effect, visual effects. Just like yeah. how A New Hope revolutionized special effects and visual effects. Um, so it wasn't exactly the same impact. I mean, I think we could, uh, hopefully we could agree that the, the effects innovations that they did in Episode right in a new hope the original star wars were much more disparate right they were bigger and and greater differences than the kind of stuff that we saw advancing in episode one those were like yeah they were ahead by a few years but they didn't i don't know i think if you go back and look at it you'll be shocked how far ahead of its time it was (laughs) but it's still visual though it's still within the same media i mean george lucas and, and his visual effects team were creating new types of visual effects with a new hope and they weren't really doing that in episode episode three episode one, excuse me. I mean, they were doing some advancements in visual uh, technology, but I mean, they didn't. I, say, I I think it's arguable. It's just a different medium. But yeah. And, okay. Well, yeah, but, you guys uh, are getting heated. <laughs> no, it's just. It's, it's, I was going to say, like, you know, it's, it's actually like a push in the wrong direction because I mean, I, Joe and Ryan certainly know I'm I'm a practical effects guy kind yeah. of through and through, but but I do think like they were pushing the envelope te- technologically. Almost, it's probably almost to the equal of what a new hope. Well, well, Star Wars was. Sure. I, I well, agree. Whether I, I or not, that, whether or not it had the same like success in the long yeah, run, cultural impact. You're right, Joe. Yeah, I know what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. yeah. So I think that, but but I guess the broader point being that you've got kids at the time that were seeing this and they hadn't seen those original trilogies. So like they actually technically saw them in order, right? That kind of impact it's going to have on a kid is is I think we do need to recognize that people like you know. Ryan and David that you guys are talking about you saw the original trilogy you were very very little and then you very shortly after saw the prequel trilogy and grew up with that while you've got a different there's this small generation I'd love to know what they think where they literally were introduced to them in order I um, that would be fascinating to me yeah well yeah well that's 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 um I want to I want to build off of that because that that's a very interesting way of approaching this question so like after the first trilogy you had fans sit for 17 years on the series mm-hmm. like they in those 17 years like it they get to grow and shape that individual nostalgia and then in those years the kids who love star wars when it first came out were part of the phenomenon grew into a, um like the the ones who grew up with the the star wars prequels i i, I mean yes that like, was me <laughs> <laughs> well i mean like actual kids like me and david who grew up with the the, the prequels the actual uh-huh. like one episode one through three we we grew up as kids. Same, same with the kids who grew up when the first Star Wars came out. But now we're part of this this new wave of phenomenon. So it is yes. like this this new. It's like this different 
time. So, but the people who view the new trilogy, they're roughly adults at that time or, or older high schoolers like you right. or adults. Like, so teens and adults. And so after it's like 17 years, depending on how long you've seen it, like it does, I think, add a lot to that idea of ruined childhoods because your expectations and your own individual like stories of something that was just done with has now like been challenged. And so that right. leads me to the next question. Uh, good. You get three points, Joe, um, <laughs> for being ahead of the game here. How much does age play a role in the outrage? And Joe, you actually get to start this one off. That's what your three points get you. Because you're the oldest. A, that, I think that's the biggest thing. So like that was that was me, right? I think that's where a lot of the, the outrage happened is I, so I was born in 81. I was two years old when Jedi came out. I did see it in the theaters, but I, I it was a couple years after when they were they do a re-release every so I probably something like eighty six or something like that, um, or eighty five. Um, but still, I grew up with watching Star Wars, and you had three movies. You were you were a fan if you knew about the two Ewok films. But Star Wars was, I guess, as I was coming online, <laughs> growing up, you know, um, Star Wars was kind of on its way out, in a way. So we kind of had that overlap. I, I remember the pop cultural significance very, very early on, and then I just continued to be a fan. I was I was a nerdy Star Wars fan, um, and so I I did have knowledge of a lot of the EU. I hadn't read much of it, but I was familiar with some of it. Um, so you know, you've you've got this whole generation that really grew up with that, and I think a lot of them developed headcanon. They had either mm -hmm. read the expanded novels and stuff, which did go into some of that backstory. Um, but ultimately, they they ultimately developed their own headcanon on what was to be expected in a proper prequel trilogy. And Jar Jar Binks was not something they expected to see within the first like fifteen minutes. Um, they didn't expect Jar Jar Binks was something nobody expected. No, and I don't think they expected seeing a yippy, you know, Anakin Skywalker. Um, the name Anakin Skywalker was always associated with, you know. A, a horrible dark fall there was never a discussion about like a happy childhood or a, not a happy child but a childhood at all so i i think they were already set up to not be fans of this as much as the new generation i could totally see kids um loving episode one i could totally see that so i think that's where a lot of that toxic fandom came from is this older generation you know older teens to early 20s that have high expectations yeah, it's it's entitlement. They're of an age where they yeah. feel entitled, and God damn it, you know, well they didn't get what they wanted. Well, uh, to take to to add to that, David, do you have anything to add to that, or uh, do you have uh, additional things that you think oh, about? What do you think? Only age slightly playing a role. Uh, hmm? And just the fact, I, I do completely agree, and I think that the proof of that comes with the sequel trilogy as well, because a lot of us that. Uh, in our generation, Ryan, when we started with the prequels at age nine, and now we're here either at our 30s or just about to be watching the sequel trilogy, and look what's happening again. Like, yep. almost almost exactly word for word the same thing. All these new movies, they've ruined my childhood. How dare they make Luke drink that milk and throw his lightsaber and make him a grumpy old <laughs> idiot? You know, like, it's literally the same thing happening again, and which is yep. kind of ironic considering, you know, never mind. I'm just going to leave it at there. But No, yeah. I, I see where you're no, going no, with that. I totally go agree. On, man. <laughs> Because it's well, all I meant to say is it's kind of ironic because I think that's one of George Lucas's main points throughout the movies is the generational circle and stuff. But yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah. good. Um, I think we're missing a lot. <laughs> what about you, Eric? Do you have? Um, 
What was the main question? The main main question is, like, how much does age play a role in the outrage? Oh, yeah. Um, It doesn't, it doesn't, because I've seen people of all ages, like, kind of hand it to the sequel trilogy late recently. Um, Prequel outrage, I think, like, people older than myself so like people that like primarily grew up like literally grew up we, like we were the home video era of star wars so we, we we were introduced to star wars via you know when our we first got the the vcrs and stuff in our house and and those movies um but yeah so we were introduced even secondhand to it so i think it's that original generation and again i'm gonna go back to i'm gonna repeat myself a little bit i'm gonna go back to the fact that it is it's a via it's it, they feel like it's a violation of that magic that they got from sitting down in that theater in 1977 and watching that you know movie just blow their minds and they're somehow seeking that experience to be repeated and it just it doesn't matter what you do it's not ever going to happen but i think that i think that's it is that there is an age yes age plays a role and it's that those people that got to have that experience with star wars are see i feel like are seeking a repeat a repetition of that experience yeah you guys hit a lot of points where i kind of i, I agree with all of you i def, i i kind of feel like when the prequels were coming, when the prequels came out and the fans got to see it, the older fans, it's, I think it, what it was is it was the first time that older fans realized that it's not just for them anymore. Like, they're no longer uh, the target demographic. Like, what they get is Easter eggs that like, hey, I remember that, but the story is for a next generation. But because when it comes to like nerd culture, there's like, um, there's where the toxicity starts to grow. I think it comes from this like exclusive like i feel so rejected for so many things that this this is mine this is my turf and that's where it starts becoming kind of predatory um defensive of 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 where it is is like when you find out like wait there's a number another demographic like there's another outside of me and this is for them but it's not for me it takes away like that specialness they feel and then they start being like aggressive like like an like the firstborn like a mentally unstable firstborn yeah <laughs> um realizing that the the, the younger is going to get more attention because it's like well it's only fair that they get the same level that you got when you first saw these like if i remember correctly older people that saw return of the jedi did not like the ewoks but if you were a kid you fucking loved the ewoks right right jedi right. has always been kind of considered to be the weakest well, of the original trilogy and yeah, and we were the kids. I mean, at least Joe and I, and pro- probably to a certain extent, you guys as well. We were the kids that loved the Ewoks, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. <laughs> so. so there I, were cartoons. I, I remember the cartoon. I, yeah, me too. I will be fair that we're not saying that everybody who is older, uh, like this is implied, but I'll just say, just to cover our asses, we're not saying that everybody who's older that watched Star Wars is like this. We're referring to exclusively in this episode toxic fandom in general. And we will kind of explore, like, it does have different factors outside just age like there is a lot to break down with this it's it's not a black and white issue and my, my next question is pretty straightforward i think we'll go through this pretty pretty quickly if the, <laughs> if the prequels were the introduction to star wars for first time viewers the prequels themselves do you think that actually deterred or attracted people to the series like either or david you start this one because i think this one's a pretty good answer for you i don't know i i would lean towards attached but not for the same reasons that people fell in love with the original trilogy if that makes sense because there's still there's still a lot to love especially for kids you know like no one's gonna forget about the lightsaber fight between obi-wan and darth maul after they see the theaters for the first time or the pod race like it's it's still a really good spectacle blockbuster even if it has problems 
And I think the trilogy as a whole would be appreciated, but probably not for the same reasons that people fell in love with the original trilogy. I think it would be interesting to see what people would think about the original trilogy, especially because the prequels kind of spoil a lot of the better thematic parts. It'd be yeah. it'd be very interesting watching the prequels first and then going into Empire knowing who Anakin is. Yeah. I I, I will say really briefly, I think that watching the prequels first will make New Hope a better movie, but might make the other two a little less impactful. That's a fair... Yeah, that's that's a fair way of putting it. I can see that. I think it... Yeah, I agree. I yeah. think it adds weight to A New Hope because you get understand the conflict a lot more. But... Uh, yeah, it, it spoils all the all the fun secrets from the, the other two. But so yeah, very very quickly going back to that question though, for for you for Joe and Eric, um, do you think like if the prequels were an introduction for a first time viewer, uh, kid or otherwise, just a first time viewer, do you think the prequels deterred or attracted people to the franchise? Um, whoever wants um, to speak first goes yeah I'll, I'll go and i'll say as much as i i do appreciate them and and kind of defend them i think if you start with the prequels it, it deters like it's it interesting definitely the way to go is to introduce people to the original films first in my opinion i'll see now no, adding an inter- interesting perspective is becoming apparent um i'm not positive kids you know of my children's generation are going to feel the same way I, I'm really more thinking of like peers almost of mine. If I if they had never seen Star Wars, I would definitely say, "Oh, okay, we'll watch Star Wars and watch Empire," you know, and go th- go that route, and then go back to the prequels, then watch the sequels. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. So we'll, we'll kind of have to play that out now, having kids of my own, and see what what they take to. Uh, I did try actually with uh, reviewing the prequels this time around. To they're they're a little young. My my kids are three years old, so a little young for any of it really. But to be you know, have the like interest five level. And s- Five and six is probably like the usually the best yeah. age. I, I tried showing them Phantom Menace and they were into it for about fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, and then, you know, they were gone. So it's that's kind of, you know, their attention span at this point for about anything besides, you know, a yeah. cartoon like show. So um Yeah, but no, look sorry, to actually answer your question. I do think that it's the wrong way to start. Oh, okay. Um uh, what about you, Joe? I know you have a story about that briefly. Um, I do. With your own kids. Well, kind of. I mean, They've seen clips of any of them. I don't. I, I haven't yet successfully been able to sit them down and start get them to watch an entire film, other than in the theater. So really, the only Star Wars movies my kids are going to have sat through in entirety right now are the are the sequel trilogy. I just realized that. I I was thinking. I was waiting and for you to realize so that. That's going to be very interesting because I've tried showing them. The prequels, I've tried throwing the original trilogy, and so far, my kids personally, probably because they're raised around the, you know, iconic images so much because of me, they're not that interested. So, Eric, it's on you, man. you got to do it. Um, (laughs) One of us has to have Star Wars fans for kids. Um, But I guess if I were in the position of, okay, I had an interested child in Star Wars, they're like, Dad, teach me all you know. Be Obi-Wan, right? Because they've heard the name. I, what way would I approach it, right? Would I show them episode one all the way through, or would I start them with the original trilogy? I guess one of the beauties about this franchise is that it can be done either way, depending on what kind of story you want, what kind of story experience you want your kids to have. If you want them to have one that's of a very direct kind of narrative, um, you know, an individual story arc, kind of a straight linear story, do episode one all the way through. If you want them to have a story that's got a little more like 
shocks and twists and turns then you do the so-called like machete cut or at least a version of it where you do original trilogy and then prequel trilogy and then sequel trilogy i think that's the cool thing about star wars is you could do either one it just really depends on what kind of experience you want to have and I, I'm very curious how like my kids are going to grow up if they do really attach on to this trilogy. So far, they're kind of lukewarm on it. Um, that's probably because of me. Uh, you know, I'm curious you so, like, how how would they introduce <laughs> their kids to it? And on and on and on. However long they keep making Star Wars things, you know. Joe brings up a lot of good points. Uh, round of applause for all three of you. Like, <laughs> um, you're right. Like, there is this whole. It, it's a very unique franchise. It doesn't... Like, the Marvel Universe existed within, like, a few years. Like, within yeah. 10 years or so. Star Wars has existed for literally people's entire lives at this point right now. Like, right. like me and David. And you and Eric, even. Um, yeah. So, it's it's there's a very interesting thing with, with Star Wars and these generational differences that play a role in these divisions within the fan bases. And it's interesting to see, like, 10 years down the line, like, how kids who started with the sequels going, like, actually, these were the superior ones. These other ones are... The first trilogy, the four through uh, six, is way too fucking old, like, and dated and weird. Mm -hmm. And then the other ones are like, that CGI is awful. So it's like, you're going to have, like, this grow of alienation and, and acceptance in this fandom as more Star Wars gets pumped out. It's a very... Very fucking fascinating fan base and and how the toxicity exists very very briefly here uh i i do have an answer to the prequel question that i asked like the introduction um i have met a person who their first star wars movie was the phantom menace and it oh. actually attracted them to star wars and mm. that is my that is actually my girlfriend uh she I found this out when I'm like, hey, do you want to kind of watch the prequels trilogy? And she just, her eyes glowed with this, like, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Like, I didn't know you were I this passionate. another person that appreciates this. Yeah. <laughs> more than me. More more than me, though. And not only that, like, Phantom Menace is definitely one of her favorite movies. And I'm like, why is that? She goes, it was the first Star Wars I ever saw. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, everything about it. Like, don't get me, she's like, don't get me wrong. Like, there's problems as an adult. But as a kid, when I saw this at nine, like... I loved it. Like, and I, I didn't know what Star Wars was. This was my first time ever knowing it. And it was like with her dad where he's like, oh, you never seen Star Wars? Okay. And then, then she was introduced to the original trilogy after Phantom Menace. And so <laughs> so watching rewatching the prequel trilogies was another reason for us to bond. And that means That's a lot. Interesting. Be- it means a lot because our relationship started from watching the Ewok movies like three years yeah. ago. Like that's well, how we... St- it, it's really interesting that, that her, her dad you know did it that way not i'm not criticizing it in any way i think that's cool he was like okay you, you want to watch star wars he knew of the original i assume he's a fan of the original it was like trilogy. one of the few things that they actually like have in common so it's... right but but it's i'm saying again this is no no criticism of her dad i know personally me if my kids were like i really like episode one i'd be like all right well first things first you gotta watch the original trilogy like i'd make them sit down <laughs> and i think a lot of us have that kind of feeling right where it's oh if you appreciate that let me sit down you need to know where it came from right and i he didn't do that and i think that's really interesting and i wonder why there's that difference you know well and that's why i kind of mentioned that story and that's why this question kind of formed because she did inter- like she did inter- like we we don't think of it all of us saw the original trilogy before so when i asked that question to you guys it's it's to see where it's at. And then I was going to throw this curveball in. Like, because I met this person who legitly, like, I enjoy Star Wars. And it started with Phantom Menace. Like, you, we don't conceive that. 
but that exists like that fan base can exist right and that's what's so like so there's way more fucking people and so the idea i'm getting with this is star wars is special to so many people for literally different ways because it's explored in so many different ways and a lot of us can't see outside of our own experiences and like well we hate this we 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 it's not my experience and you forget that you're part of a larger universe like not everyone's a fucking jedi some people have to be uh backwater scum and villainy bounty hunters or just fucking moisture farmers like it takes a lot to make a universe and so going back to this backlash and not only that the toxic fan base is it you have to go down and like say what makes star wars so special to so many people to feel this overwhelming urge to defend it, to attack it, to praise it without any other, like, c- consideration. What do you guys think? That's This is the question. What makes Star Wars so special, whether it's to you individually or in general? So I'll start with you, Eric. You're the most passionate one. <laughs> and unfortunately, I'm going to be a broken record, but I think what makes Star Wars so special to me is is the fact that it is one of those seminal films. It's that that thing that you went to the video store, or the library, whatever, however you originally discovered Star Wars. It's it's that experience. It's discovering that. It's something that um, Star Wars is special because it affected you and you saw it through the eyes of a six year old child, and it's just that magical thing, and just kind of captivates the imagination too. Because as much as as George Lucas was you know revolutionized special effects and was able to show you there was so much even in the first film which is fairly simplistic kind of space fairy tale right but there's there's enough little seeds planted that there's this the kind of universe building that gets the imagination going so you would start to you know even even after just seeing the first trilogy of films you would sit and start to talk about well okay there's all these like little minutia in the film that you know characters with names that and had action figures and such that would only appear in one scene well you'd start to wonder well what's their story all about you know boba fett's a good example of that as a character that kind of you're talking about like an expanded universe yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what I, you know. It eventually did grow into the real expanded universe. So when people kind of picked up that mantle and 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 ran with it, so Star Wars is so special. To get back to your question, because of those, the way it stokes your imagination. I think things like Star Wars. There's a couple of select other fandoms that I that I, I think Doctor Who is a big one for me as well. Mm-hmm. That is just such a wonderful universe, and it kind of creates so many things that creative people latch onto them and kind of kind of just dive in and kind of create their own. Uh, universe all around it and and so, yeah and i think when you start to you're, you're, you could segue very well into your the theory about you know people developing their own head canon and that's why it kind of backfires on them in the end but well it's very special because it gives people the ability to create let's just say that there you go that's yeah and that's a very uh powerful thing uh what about you david uh what makes star wars so special to you or in general star wars is the first movie that truly made me believe that I was viewing another planet for the first time. Oh, right. uh, okay. You know, before cool. that, yeah. you you know, Doctor Who, Star Trek, you know, you can very clearly tell that's a set. I still, to this day, am kind of an idiot and don't know how they managed to make two sons on Tatooine, but, like, as, like, a seven-year-old kid, you know, I was completely convinced. They're not on Earth. They're on Tatooine. They're on this desert planet <laughs> with two sons, you know? Like, and Star Wars just does it better than everybody else you know or at the very least when it comes to presentation they're kind of like the cor- the space corvette you know no one quite make a weapon like star wars does no one quite makes the vehicles the way star wars does it's all very real and lived very, in compared to a lot of other franchises and it it feels special because i can almost possibly believe this happened a long time ago in a galaxy far far away 
well, you're pointing out elements that were like it shows that cohesion. Like it one, you got one main artist who designed everything, so it all works. And two, it all looks lived in. That was the intention. So you're talking about that idea of like feel like it's a reality. Like, but everything's like you're seeing a world where it's futuristic, right? But it's dirty as fuck. But it's not overly dirty. It's just like naturally dirty. It's just like yeah, this looks like farm equipment. People but, live here. But <laughs> like, like when you look at the moisture evaporators on Tatooine, like they're like these look like machines that like run moisture and have fucking stains on them and shit. But like they look like yeah, it's a thing. I I do also feel like it was the first movie that I actually even as like seven years old, I'm like, how did they do that? What? How did they build an android that can talk and is really polite and kind of annoying? And like, <laughs> how how did they build R two D two? Is is R two D two real? Like I didn't know as a kid. Like I. <laughs> I could have been plausibly convinced that R2-D2 was a droid that they built for this movie. It wasn't, like, you couldn't see the string on the starship. You know what I mean? There like, wasn't somebody in there. It's plausibly convinced. So that's what makes Star Wars so special, that ability to suck you into a universe and really be involved. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, I think that just is a hand on everything that Star Wars innovated on when it comes to, like, sound design and effects and all of it. All right. So, Joe, you're next. I... What makes Star Wars so special? I th I think it's um, so. Look, before Star Wars, we had franchises that had you know be, were very popular. I think there's a few other you know properties out there. Like we've talked a lot on the show over the year uh, last year and a half. I also said years. We're getting there um, about like you know superheroes and stuff like that. How iconic Batman and Superman and stuff are. But I think Star Wars is unique among fandoms in the fact that there's a bit of a perfect storm here. Um, if you really think about it from almost like a meta perspective, right? You've got the, the, the cutting edge special effects, which were amazing. I think one of the most charming things about it is how slapdash and like thrown together they were, but they worked so well, right? Like, you know, we take a bunch of model, you know, cannibalize like model car kits and we'll glue them onto paint cans and put them on a ping pong table and there's the Death Star run. You know, it's stuff like that, that it, but it worked really, really well. And it came out at a time where it was it, it grabbed that perfect demographic. So, like for example, um, studies have shown that with musical taste in people, it's really their teens to their early twenties. That's the music that you will connect to. It's rare for somebody to find a musical style they connect to in their forties. So that's that sweet spot. Well, that's the same too with other types of media like film and you know series and concepts and 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 styles. So you've got this really amazing unique film that comes out and it attracts a certain age of people and then when they grow up their little kids who are just at the cusp of that same age and the next generation gets the prequel trilogy and then they're doing it again with the sequel trilogy um we haven't seen that i don't think with any other kind of franchise maybe something mm -hmm. like lord of the rings tolkien might be close star trek yeah but in a different way but that's another kind of similar one where they just they're coming out in a very patterned way and they're hitting their designated market because that's a market that's very receptive to it. Um, and I think that really plays into your... Plus you have, a, an, you know, not... I've said all that, not to downplay a really good story with interesting characters. And so I don't think it's... Um, that's I don't think it's something you've seen in any other kind of franchise. And I think that's one of the biggest things that makes Star Wars special is it's just this perfect storm. Perfect storm's a good way of... We're putting it because as a result of that it has created a quite effectively destructive storm when it comes to the level of alienation and backlash and bullying within the fandom itself because 
of how much it affects us on on a core individual level um and i will say like for me star wars i was introduced to at six nobody told me what star wars was i discovered it in a fucking small town bar pinball machine like i lived in the middle of fucking bumfuck nowhere in wisconsin found this pinball machine in this bar in the in the darkest corner and i saw the imagery of star wars and i thought this was so amazing and i didn't know what it was and i, I made this like <laughs> comic at the age of six trying to figure out the story of star wars and long story short that led to somebody saying oh that's star wars here's the original trilogy check it out i got introduced to like the shock and awe of it all and then luckily for me a year later the special editions come out and i was hooked so for my whole creative career it was star wars anything i drew anything i created was star wars and the reason i bring this up and the reason that this is associated with with the idea of toxic thoughts and i think when it comes to the definition of a toxic fandom that it's it's a very partisan view of fan toxicity it's common you know it's an us versus them mentality but it's it's more complicated than that and and it's because of opinions vary so mm -hmm. vary so much uh as well as toxic traits and tendencies and part of that is when i realized after watching rise of skywalker I was I was deeply profoundly disappointed. Now I loved The Last Jedi. I loved the fact that it was trying to create something new that was very much different, but very much like gave gave the the, the sequels in my mind, the sequel trilogy, their own creative flavor. And like this makes them them. The prequels are the prequels. The original trilogy is the original trilogy, and now the sequels are these things. And it's it's beyond trying to reignite a franchise like the first of the sequel movies were. Um, force awakens but then when rise of skywalker came out i was i really enjoyed it i was really had fun i was really excited but after i watched the movie it slowly dawned on me that everything that i liked was just fan service and the soul was gone the creativity was gone and that was for me what made star wars so special was the creativity and that 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 made me understand in that moment how close it was i was to becoming another toxic fan and that was a personal element and that's why i feel that's something toxic fandom needs to be addressed and that's why this these episodes are being brought up uh -huh. is like that idea that it's not us versus them it's it's like sith and jedi you no. can become <laughs> the other if you give in there's to... a gray area too in the in between <laughs> right and that's the thing because toxic fandom also exists with people who blindly like love everything star wars as well yeah so um so what are your guys's views like what are the dangers of having an elitist or purist view when it comes to these fan bases um eric i'll start with you well i think going back to like defining what toxic is in fandom and i think it's anytime not that i'm the end all be all definition but what it means to me i guess is anytime that you decide that your opinion has like extra weight as compared to anyone else's opinion on something it starts to become a toxic conversation um as long as we exist and can debate and discuss and have our own opinions and, and everything's weighted equally i think we you know we can all be fans and have our opinions and that, I mean, that that is the very basis of what we're doing right now right we're all, all you know recording ourselves talking about you know star wars because we're all fans of it and we all have different opinions and it means different things to us mm -hmm. uh what becomes toxic is when you start to feel that your opinion has some additional value 
as opposed to somebody else's because in reality it doesn't and that's just the plain simple fact of the matter it does not <laughs> yeah um so the um but to, to go to your, your exact question is like the dangers of having an elitist or purist like view of um I mean, I think it's the dangers of being elitist about anything. Like, when you, when you have, you know, only a Sith deals in absolutes or, you know. Um, <laughs> so, but anytime you have, a, the, you know, a black or white or I'm right, you're wrong, I, 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 why even have a discussion? Like, when you get to that point, like, there's no point in discussing when someone's made up their mind so purely about something or so absolutely about something that they're going to tell you, well, no matter what you say, I'm, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. And because I can't really argue past that point i'm going to start you know attacking you personally and attacking your fandom um you know gatekeeping star wars because you know if you like this then you're obviously not a real star wars fan um and that happens on both sides as we've seen uh, of the discussion mm-hmm. um starting to ramble but yeah essentially yeah anytime you come down and like at that absolutist like i can't be budged or i can't i can't have a discussion without without f- pushing the superiority of my opinion then yeah, you're you're you've lost <laughs> what it is that's fun about fandom in and yeah from the get go. So, <laughs> well, what about you, David? Like I heard you giggle earlier about when Eric was. Oh well, no, I, I Eric just elitist? he stole the words right out of my mouth. To be honest, like that's pretty much word for word, word for what I had. Um, I guess the only supplementary thing I would say is like, you know, it's become a toxic when you're starting to like attack the actors and attack other people involved with the project with very, um, you know, negativity, sometimes leading up to even death threats, you know, like, and that's the point where, like, is your opinion really that important that you need to feel harassed people who are just uh, quite literally doing their jobs? I mean, you look at the prequel backlash, and there were, I think it was Jake Lloyd and Ahmad Bast who both, like, went through severe mental health issues because of the way people were treating them after the prequels came out. Now, uh... I believe it was Rose's actor who was getting a lot of backlash on Twitter, Ryan. Yeah, Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah. Yeah, and um, others as well. Um, and to I, the point I believe where they feel... I, the, yeah. Where they quit Twitter, right? That, I, not yeah, so yeah, I think she did. Yeah, she deleted her Twitter account. For, yeah. And and I think that's all also subbing off of Elitist or Pierce, whereas you didn't make my Star Wars. Why didn't you make a, a carbon copy of what Timothy Zahn wrote and just do that, like... You know what I mean, like all that stuff. Yeah, I think you're you're right. That 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 level of um, where where you shun a person into, like you just want them to be gone entirely, is like that's a whole new breed of person, and uh, definitely gives into their their level of hate. Uh, what about you, Joe? What uh, what other well, dangers are there to being an elitist or a purist? I I think you know they they really really hit it. I I can't, you know, again, yeah, that that's the same sentiment. However, I. I'd like to think a little bit about like where is this coming from because if you look at other other things that people are, are like diehard fans about like fo- football doesn't get this you know if if you're a diehard fan of a shitty team and you tell somebody that they don't they don't scream at you and they don't give you death threats because you like that team you know they so may or may it? not it's hard to tell sometimes no, I mean, they, they may be like oh you have shitty taste yeah but they don't or they may be like, all right, well, that's weird, but they. But they love the fact as long as you love football. You can still talk football, yeah. right? Yeah. But we. But I think in this case, the big thing is that um, you, a lot of the, the Star Wars fans or science fiction fans in general are a bit closeted. 
right? I mean, in, in a way, you, as you're as you're growing up, that's not usually the popular thing. So you're kind of in that nerd group, right? And there's a higher frequency in that group of bullying and the things you are passionate about. You keep them close because they're things you're passionate about, and they're not socially acceptable, or I shouldn't say socially acceptable, but they're not like socially popular. So then. Now you go back to what I was talking about before, about like age playing such an important role here too. You're at an age, people are at an age where they feel entitled and then they start lashing out because this thing that's incredibly passionate to them is now being threatened in their eyes once again. And I think when you look at the degree of bullying and toxic fandom that we've seen again, especially like Kelly Marie Tran and others, how much of that is a, like a societal reflection about right now? Well, yeah. that brings up an interesting question of like, like, how much of the fan base is made up of toxic fans um is it just like the the strong views of a few or is it is, is it common for everyone as a whole and has the toxicity always been like this or has it grown dramatically um what, what would you say like joe just continuing on I, I i think it's grown considerably because i mean look the, the we talked we had our whole special about martin scorsese in the marvel films and it's like still i think some of the degree in which people got upset about that was toxic you know a director says he's not into a different a, a certain style of film that's different than he makes and that made news that's something I, I didn't hide my opinion that it was ridiculous that that conversation not our conversation but that that was a national conversation even happening right uh, in my opinion but i think this is another example of it you didn't get this when they, you know, cancel the Lone Ranger shit, you know, if, again, I, I go back to like a sports analogy, if you're a fan of a, of a team and somebody doesn't like that fan, they'll rib you about it, but it's not this level. I don't, it's definitely grown, but I think we need to point out it's grown in geek stuff. It's grown in Star Wars. It's, it's growing in Star Trek. Well, it's grown in Marvel and DC, DC versus Marvel stuff. You know, that gets toxic. Well, it's nerd. grown in these, in these genre type fields. I want to say that like nerd stuff in general has just become more popular. Like more people yeah. are being introduced into it and, and I enjoying think that's it. Why I think and now that's it, why it's no I longer it's, exclusive. It's no longer exclusive. It's no longer your safe space. Yeah, you when know, it should, I, I, should be bringing people together. It's right. You know, this was the thing that I'm not saying everybody who loves Star Wars was you know has like trauma. I'm not trying to say that. But I'm saying you're going to see a higher frequency of that because these were not the popular people. These weren't necessarily the you know that same in crowd you have a higher amount of people that are not part of the in crowd that are fans of these genres mm -hmm. and they're very protective of them and i think this is one of the, the unfortunate side effects we're seeing from this subculture of pe people that are into genre type stuff you know so-called nerds so to speak right um this is this is how they're responding very quickly before i move on to the next question do, uh david eric do you guys have anything you want to add to the the growth of toxicity in the fandom or, or, uh, I just wanted to quickly say like initially the question was how much of the fan base do you think is made up by toxic fans? Yeah. And I think no matter, no matter how much it's, you know, it's growing or toxicity is spreading. I still think it's a very small amount. I think mm -hmm. so too. Um, I, unfortunately I do think they are allowed, they, they are able to be louder than they've ever been. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's the minority of fans that ever take these kind of like, you know, stringent toxic views on or, or you know personally attack other fans because they don't share their own uh their opinions on things yeah. um fandom in general is a very positive thing and i've had very positive experiences with almost you know all of all of my different you know nerd fandoms or whatever well when, um, you're, when you're healthy it's a very bonding experience like when you find somebody yeah. just as nerdy as you you're like let's talk about it uh mm -hmm. and i think if you find somebody who 
maybe that's the only thing like it can be completely different from you and you're like if you can find one thing you guys can bond over it yeah yeah i think overall it's it's a very positive thing and the the, to- the toxic thing, I mean, not that it shouldn't be addressed because it is something that's that's uh, keeps coming up and is a growing phenomenon but i still think in general if you're going to say how much of the fan base is made up by toxic fans i, I think it's a very small yeah small but unfortunately loud minority <laughs> what about you david do you have any thoughts do you want to add um, to no Again, Eric kind of stole the words right out of my mouth because uh, I'm not necessarily sure if the if the toxicity of the fan base is growing or if they're just getting louder and starting to nitpick more. Like, um, yeah. it feels like almost anything can cause somebody to go onto BuzzFeed and write an article about it, and it won't get views because that's the internet. We just have more ways of getting information out to more people. Like, right, and it can make something seem so much bigger than it is. Well, I'll give you this da- this question then, David. Um, how much do you think the toxic fandom actually affects the development of future series? Like, how does it affect current production as well as future productions in the well, Star Wars universe? I, I feel that's been the entire problem with the sequel trilogy, right? Like, that that I, I mentioned it before, that I really do feel that these sequels are just focus group the movies 1, 2, and 3. Like, Force Awakens yeah. are like, okay, we're going to give you exactly what you want. And then they go back to their market panels and they're like oh, wait, they didn't like that. They want something different. So, bam, Last Jedi, we got you something different. They're like, oh, nope, they didn't like that either. We're going to go go back. Double rebound on The Last Jedi. And, you know, then that even applies to, like, the uh, the side projects, right? Because, like, you had Last Jedi come out and everybody hated it. And then by no consequence of the movie itself, Solo ended up nobody going to see it in theaters either. So then they're like, oh, well, we're done doing side stories now. Up until Disney Plus kind of changed that and went back in the other direction when they decided that they wanted to do that again. But still, like, I feel like, especially under Disney's ownership, Star Wars is almost entirely based off of fan reception and what direction they're going to go in. Because I bet you now that The Mandalorian has been super successful, I feel we're going to get a lot more serialized Star Wars. I think I think you're actually right. Yeah, they'll at least yeah, try it. I agree. Yeah. What about you guys? you guys have anything you want to add to uh, Toxic Fan... Uh, the toxic fandom develop, uh, affecting the development yeah. of Star Wars series? Yeah, when I'll even take the word toxic out of it because it's not, you know, I don't think it's only the toxic fans, but I think it's people that had strong opinions about the, you know, The Last Jedi certainly steered the, the movie that became Rise. The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Like, it, it, it just, I mean, it just every bit of it kind of like reeks of fan service and kind of retconning some of the unpopular um, elements of uh, The Last Jedi. Um, it's not the first time it's happened, but it's certainly Star Wars is proving to be time and time again the most common uh, where where fans are steering the boat. You know, and they're you know Disney is really really interested in um, or in Lucasfilm I should say I suppose, but Disney and Lucasfilm are very interested in what the fans are saying and what the fans want out of movies, but they're not able to translate it very well to to the actual movies themselves. Um, they think they're giving fans what they want, but I think they've missed the mark uh, on multiple occasions. The t- you know the best thing that they ever did was the reaction from the Force Awakens. They they you know there's some criticism of overall generally we like what you're doing, but you know let's not you know it's a bit derivative of the original Star Wars film, and and we'd like to see something a little more original. And I think they delivered, hundred percent delivered something more original. But the fan base is like, oh okay, hang on, that's a little too too much. Uh, let's let's dial that back and let's get something you know a little more safe and mediocre and and, and honestly that's that's what they gave us again. So <laughs> what about you? Um, yeah, sorry, yeah. Eric, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, that's fine. Yeah. Right. What about you, Joe? W- will it affect the future of the series? I don't. 
I don't. Well, think how so. has it, or, or how how has it affected? How the much does it does it? I don't think much. I mean, if you think about it from a broader perspective, we're in an, uh, an era right now, and I, I think we have been. I think actually the prequel trilogy ushered this in, because that was really one of the first times that we're like, hey, we're going to go back and start a new franchise based on an old franchise from a, a, a generation before, and now we see that happening constantly. We have it with again with Star Wars. We have it with Jurassic Park. We've had it for a while with Terminator. We're, you know, we're seeing it again with Ghostbusters. Um, these resurgence. Um, Star Wars was successful in the 70s and early 80s. It was successful in the 90s, early 2000s. It's been incredibly successful now. It'll be successful when they come out with it again. There's no reason for them to stop. And I, I don't think toxic fandom is going to have a big enough impact to get in the way of that machine to make money. Especially now that it's in the hands of Disney. They're going to put out Star Wars stuff as long as they can. As long as there's a fan base. And there's always going to be a fan base. You know, in the foreseeable future, there's going to be a fan base. Uh, yeah. Um, I want to talk... I want to address more about the future of this franchise when it comes to, like, how this fan base affects it. Uh, I personally think it, it, it affects it. And it, it does affect it. Whether big or small, there's no doubt, After definitely after the release of The Rise of Skywalker, it is affected. But before I go into that, I do want to focus... Uh, it was mentioned briefly... But let's briefly talk about more overly positive fans. Um, ones who, like I said, they love anything Star Wars unconditionally, no matter what. No Star Wars is a bad Star Wars. Do you guys think that that fan base also has borderline on toxicity at times? Eric, you start. I think anything that you take to an extreme, and again, like like I said, in the confines of what, what makes something toxic, it's when you start to think that your opinion or your taste set is superior to somebody else's for, you know, whatever reason. Um, no, I don't think in general, like, loving everything Star Wars is toxic. It's only when you think that if somebody disagrees with you that, you know, that there's a problem with them personally or you make it personal about, you know, your differences in opinion. Um, I, I honestly identify as somebody that kind of fits your description of, I, I admit it, I have no problem admitting that I love all things Star Wars. Does that mean I don't see faults in them or that I don't have a ranking system for, you know, what's, you know, the best and what's, what's you know, something flawed that I still enjoy? I mean, we're, we're here basically to talk about the prequel trilogy, which is an exercise in something that is flawed that I enjoy. Um, but in general, I'm a huge fan of, of you know Star Wars as as a as a concept and as as a, a franchise, and I do kind of love everything about it. Like, there's not something that has this name Star Wars on it that I detest or hate. Um, I know that is there are fans out there that have a different opinion about things. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I I think it can be toxic. Sure, if anytime you take something too far and start to uh, position yourself as a superior fan to somebody else because of your view on things is certainly toxic. But I mean, I, I don't think I don't think I personally am, and I do <laughs> I do kind of put myself into that you know category of people that just kind of generally love Star Wars. Well, it wasn't meant to target you, which you know it wasn't. No, but, I, yeah, no, but I know no, that. that was a thing. Um, because because it stems from like reading comments. Because the three of us for sure share like a couple movie. It's definitely definitely Star Wars Facebook groups. Where I have noticed commentary, where I have seen people more or less, and this is definitely paraphrasing, but it's why can't you guys just be happy? It's more Star Wars. Just shut the fuck up already. And it's just like that's where real Star Wars fans. Yeah, that's where I'm starting to see like, (laughs) you know, this is equally as toxic. Um, I don't know, David. What what, have you experienced that at all? No, I've only experienced the positive form of that because. I have a pretty close friend that that's very much in that description where no matter what, as long as Star Wars is slapped on the title, 
he pretty much falls in love with it immediately. But instead of like being, huh? I said including Ewok films. You know what? I I yes, I bet, I bet. Um, But you know, when we have those discussions, he doesn't ever really get upset or anything. He's just like, oh well. I'm sorry to hear you didn't really like that part of it, but you know, since you did like this and this about this, why don't you try uh, playing Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic? Because I feel like you'll really like that, or listen to this audio drama. You know what I mean? Like, they'll so just he, kind of steer me like, towards. If you don't like that, try this. Yeah. That's not too bad. That's more of like a salesman, but I wouldn't call it too toxic. Um, why don't you, Joe? I know you've told me stories of when you've come across people that are annoyingly, like, obsessed yeah i mean i don't know i i think like any fandom you're gonna have people that are um or like any kind of uh, yeah i would say true any fan i was almost thinking like just genre stuff but no you could be, i'm using sports again as an example you can have people that are you know you know they try to get elitist right like i'm more of a fan than you because of this or because of that um, I've read all of the novels, so I'm a bigger fan than you. Or I've played the novels and the video games, so I'm a bigger fan than you. It, and you're always going to get something like that, no matter it's like what. It's... A, it's like a who has the biggest little dick contest. Yeah, you know, whether it's Star Wars or Star Trek or Doctor Who or whatever, you're going to get people like that. And that is a form of, of toxicity because, again, it's not just it's... like I like it, you like it, we like it. It's it's a form it's... of specific form of toxicity called gatekeeping that I really think yes. is. That's a good mm-hmm. way, yeah. Yeah, it really is. and And so... I don't know. I, I think you're really you're you have again. This goes back to my previous comment. You know, for the for the last part, which was, you know, it's falling into this cycle, this generational cycle. There's this, and again, it's not everybody in that age who's a fan. But if you're going to get them, that's where you're going to get them. It's in that particular age bracket where you sometimes you get people that again they have this entitled feeling, or it's an elitist feeling, and I don't know. Sometimes you get in and out of it. It just kind of depends. Well, so. We we talked about before um, Star Wars and the future of it and and how how it's affected by the fan base because that's kind of where we're exploring now is is the fandom and its toxicity mainly. Um, I will state that like Star Wars has been a kind of a rare commodity for over around forty years ago or so, um, but however in the like last decade um, we've seen more Star Wars. And even more so in the last five years, especially after the Disney purchase. Um, and it kind of begs the question, is there a risk of oversaturation? Um, what do you guys think? David, I'll start with you. Yes, but it will correct itself. Okay. I mean, it just it just happens. Everything comes in waves. I mean, during the prequel span, like, there was like a couple of years, like, in between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, where that was everything. It was Star Wars toys... Go to Burger King, get your Star Wars cup, grab this pencil cam with Qui-Gon Jinn on it. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, maybe I'm mishearing, but the question is, that kind of what you mean? Or are you just talking <laughs> about the overall, like... You know, you you bring up a very interesting point I didn't think about. I forgot about those fucking Pepsi cans and shit. And oh, I had all of them. I had the whole set. Uh, I remember briefly... Captain Panaka on the Mountain Dew, just saying. That's right. <laughs> That's where you get introduced to all the new characters. So I guess... I think, you know, David, actually, fuck it. You know, I, I can't even ask the other guys because I pretty much put the nail on the head. Like, I think oversaturation just fucking, ex- fucking exists. And it, you're right. It just corrects itself. <laughs> like, it does. Yeah. Like, I don't remember, like, seeing the Mountain Dew and Diet Pepsi fucking cans, like, ruining Star Wars. Like, here we are. <laughs> so no, we haven't we haven't seen 
a time without the Star Wars logo on something within visibility since 1999. Yeah, yeah. agreed. It's been whether so, it's even even in between, you know, Episode Three and and the prequel trilogy, there were still very popular animated series. I mean, there's yeah. been ongoing things. Clone so, Wars film and the animated series yep, that followed, and yep, yep. there Star Wars has been visible. So to so, the public since 1999. So we're going on, you know, 21 years now. So that I don't the, see it going away. I can let me ask this question then: um, Is Star Wars still special, or is it becoming something we easily take for granted that we're just so used to mm. seeing? What do you think about that, Joe? It's changing. It's changing. Um, I, I think with I don't know. I'm, I'm reminded of Bob Dylan, right? And because you know, just thinking like going kind of a back to a music thing. Um, Dylan started out with one style of music, and when he changed, he lost some fans. He still had some people that you know still kept you know still were a fan of him, but he lost some fans. But he gained a whole bunch more, and then he changed his style again, and it happened again. And that's how he's grown a big fan base over the years. And I think Star Wars has kind of done the same thing. You ha- you still have fans of the original trilogy, and whether they hate the prequels, they hate the sequels, they hate the cartoons, whatever, they'll watch them, they'll buy the ticket, they'll purchase some form of merchandise. And they'll still buy that Star Wars t-shirt. Right. It's and it doesn't matter if it's a Star Wars t-shirt with, you know, the Empire Strikes Back logo on it in the era of the of the sequel trilogy. It's all going to the same fund that's going to keep pumping out more Star Wars. So, I think it's just changing and it's constantly changing. Again, that goes back to what makes it special is that you have this versatility with it. It sprawls over a huge universe and it always seems to capture its target audience. So, I I think any you know, any form of it in the future, I don't know what we're going to see it as, but it'll still be Star Wars. Well, you know, you're right. You're, you're very much right. It has always changed, and it continues to change. It works for the Doctor Who series, for better or worse, but that's also a thing, Star too. Star Trek as well. Star Trek as well. Mm-hmm. Like, just things that still continue on after decades, They there is an adaptation. But a kind of now... Studios also pay attention to a fan base, and how something adapts is based on how let's say their marketing department views that fan base or, or or so on and so forth we saw a change i would say with star wars in the last jedi like it is something new that wasn't previously part of the the the, the previous trilogies it challenged and i guys i argued before it kind of introduced like this new element but that received such a backlash um it kind of now begs the question uh, with creative risks being so harshly criticized and the studio trying to remedy it all for more fan service, um, is there a chance that Star Wars will become a, a, an innovator again? Will it keep changing for the better or for the worst? Eric, why don't you take this question? Um, I think it's always going to... I, I guess I'm just going to say that David hit the nail on the head when it said that it corrects when he said that it just it's going to correct itself and that's uh, when it comes to innovation um, I think we've taken a few steps backwards in a few steps backwards in the sequel trilogy um, okay let's just say Rise of Skywalker because I, I agree with you about the Last Jedi being a, a bold statement that did something very original and I, I really wish I would have continued that trend but you know it is what it is. Uh, I think the Mandalorian was a, a certainly a step in the innovative direction, even though it's a bit of a throwback style-wise. Um, it is doing something boldly different with Star Wars, and um, you know, making a western or making a lone wolf and cub kind of tribute um, series uh, that takes place in the Star Wars universe with some of the iconic imagery that we all recognize as Star Wars. Um, 
I think you're going to continue to see things like that. And I think actually, um, and you, we, we touched on it earlier, but I think that the, the serialized, you know, more television show uh, format is going to continue to push that forward. It has a little bit lower risk because there's, you know, so much of it coming out that I think there, there could be like a little bit of something for everybody. It's not these big, you know, mega, uh, mega budget big movie projects like the um, sequel trilogy was or something you know like rogue one or solo which obviously uh rogue one was very successful solo was very much not um with a grain of salt because overall it was still a successful film but (laughs) i guess what i'm trying to say is yeah i think there's there's plenty of room for innovation i think they're doing it i just think they're they're for my taste they're they're paying a little bit too much attention to what you know the facebook groups or whatever whatnot has to say Maybe they should just like let some of the you know let people try some things, maybe innovate a little bit more. But but it's happening. It, it's it's resetting itself. Um, you know what? I think you guys are right, and that's a very and like I said, go. We all let's give back credit to David actually saying it does do a course correction, and um, and I hope that continues. And as as Joe says, like there's always change coming, and and same goes for Eric, fucking restrengthening those fucking uh points um and especially with the tv series the mandalorian it's one of those things that star wars is such a special phenomenon like it does it's definitely different than any other sci-fi it is its own beautiful story of this of this space opera and you know it's natural that things go on as long as they do that there's going to be successes and failures like we forget about the ewok movies or, or the droids fucking animated series. No, we don't. No, it's just kidding. Eric doesn't, but I do. <laughs> Slightly. Um, but even those things can kind of create something out of them. Um, and you know what? As long as Star Wars considers creatively growing and changing and taking risks, I think it's always going to survive and do good. The only thing that I have to say, though, is I after Rise of Skywalker, is that if the industry wants this to continue, they really need to be careful about fan service and balance it out. Mandalorian, I think, did a great job of balancing fan service, but also introducing expansion in the universe, focusing on main characters who aren't Force-sensitive, for example. Like, you have a Force-sensitive character, that familiarity in the, the quote-unquote Baby Yoda, or the child, but the idea is this, and this is how I'm going to end the show, Toxic fans don't help promote growth or creativity, which it needs to succeed. They smother it with by denying risky changes. This restricts creative process to the point where only the creative challenge left is to how to create new ways to see the same fucking thing. And that's just not the way to go about anything. Because times do change, people get older, and there's new generations. And if you want something to survive, you have to find a way to introduce new people into a fan base. And us as a fan base needs to be opening to those newcomers like we can't hate them for being different but it have them be part of this larger family i think we all have been we've made friends with these movies like i know i have i know you guys have and i know the rest of you have as well and i think going into it we have to acknowledge that this exists and that each one of us can be a toxic fan we can't just just because you don't hate on somebody doesn't mean that you don't have the potential to and I think it's important for whatever you're into, be a Jedi or a fucking gray Jedi, whatever you want to be, but don't be a fucking Sith Lord. It's just, it's bullshit. Even if you do get the cooler lightsaber. 
But I'm getting off topic. <laughs> anyway, I think the key is you, and this is in any fandom that you belong to whatsoever, is you do not get to define somebody else's fan experience. Period. Like, whatever they're, like, your experience is yours, theirs is theirs. Nothing, you know, you don't get to define what it means to them. Right. I think that's, you walk into every discussion understanding that, and you're not going to come out toxic. Like, that's... I think the, the personally the biggest thing for me is just not to judge other fans. You know? Yeah. Like, be mm-hmm. happy with your level of fandom, and don't judge others by theirs, whether it's more in your opinion more like if they've read more stuff or if they've seen this or if they like this or that just hey you know even if if you're really one of those people that say it ruined my childhood that means it doesn't you know whether you're somebody who loved the prequel and or prequel trilogy are saying that or the original trilogy and are saying that well then you just don't fucking like star wars anymore i guess so that's the end of it then we're done talking to you right i mean there's nothing much more to say but if you're somebody who's like, yeah, I didn't like the prequels, or I don't like the new trilogy, or whatever, but I still like this whole universe thing, then talk about that. Then focus on that. You know, right. we're still friends with Joe, and he clearly doesn't care about the prequels. How, how have I not made that fucking clear that I don't hate the prequels? <laughs> <laughs> I have a complicated relationship with them. They're I fine. I... They're fine. They're their own thing. But yeah. you know, again, there. But again, that also goes for the people that are like, no, you're only a true Star Wars fan if you like everything. No, that's not true either. You know, and again, you go back to a sports analogy. You can love a team but not like a certain lineup on a certain season or two. You know, that's fine as well. You can have you can have your own favorites. That's totally fine. You know. Yeah. So just one odd random oddball off the wall comment that only Star Wars nuts are going to get but the future of Star Wars since that's what we were talking about in the last future uh, segment of this future of Star Wars is and always has been Dave Filoni they need to put him in charge now and I'm going to keep touting that we've been saying that for years or I've been saying that for years and I think the Mandalorian is uh, proof further proof of, of that well he's so, a pro- anyway. he's a protege of George Lucas essentially yeah so, yeah, and everything he's doing has been so much better than what everyone else is doing. But anyway, that's that's all I'm going to say. Okay, so I'll give the final word to you, David, our, our special guest for these two-part series. Do you have anything you want to say? Um, Take your time. Far, well, <laughs> when it comes to the future of Star Wars, you know, it is uh, the future as you make it. You know, um, there is so much involved, and I think some people forget that headcanon is completely okay. If uh, you don't like something, you don't have to. You don't have to include it in your headcanon. If you'd prefer that you don't like the sequel trilogy, you know, there's a lot out there. Or the prequel trilogy, there's a lot out there, and you can even make your own. There's there's so much you can do within the Star Wars universe. There's uh, RPGs, video games, um, and just so much out there that you can explore and decide what is and what is not your Star Wars. And if anyone else disagrees with you, that's okay. It's it's their Star Wars, you know. I mean, it worked for Christianity. <laughs> and on that point, everything, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, I think you know, guys. Talk about toxic fandoms, right? <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Let's not have a crusade here. Can't you wait for the new Star Wars crusade? Holy shit! So many people getting the shit kicked out of them by plastic fucking lightsaber swords. Okay, anyways, that's a good way to end this, right? Imagining that, you know? The, the next tough. Charlottesville, but with fucking glow-in-the-dark lightsabers that you got from the Disney fucking expanded galaxy universe. But we're going to avoid those fucking people. So, anyways, 
I've been Ryan Seiskel. I've been your moderator for this evening, and I'm glad to finally end this two-part talk. And I want to thank uh, my the, the guests and, and the co-hosts, Joe, Eric, and especially you, David. You've been a fucking champion. Can we give a round of applause to David? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. I, just I, thank you very much for having me. It's been right. fun. I'm glad, I'm glad we could pop your podcast, Cherry. Oh, Jesus dear. Christ. Oh, no. <laughs> Good night. We do want to thank everybody <laughs> for listening to the Video Checker Podcast. And as usual, we welcome any comments that you may have. Um, you know, what are your opinions on the toxic fandom? We mentioned a little bit last week, but we'd like to know more of your uh, insight into that as well. Or what you think the future of Star Wars is going to be. To give us these tidbits, answer these questions, comments, criticisms, or criticisms, you can contact us at Video Junkyard, Video Junk Pod, which is our Twitter handle. You can email us at VideoJunkyardPodcast at gmail.com or contact us on Facebook either at the Video Junkyard Podcast Facebook group or the regular Video Junkyard Podcast page. We'd love to hear from you. And what about you, Eric? And, what are we and coming up, yeah. Coming up on the uh, podcast in the coming months, we're going to... This should get us almost all the way till Valentine's Day. Uh, actually, we might be a week behind now. We'll see how that all goes. But anyway, we're going to be looking at Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, Death Becomes Her, Living With Yourself, Kingdom of Spiders, Demolition Man, Velocipaster, Beverly Hills Cop and on and on lots of great stuff in 2020 coming up on the Video Junkyard Podcast I hope you will join us again now that we got the Star Wars thing out of our system for the time being yeah. uh, we'll go we'll yeah. see how long that lasts but uh, yeah. <laughs> in the meantime I want to thank everybody once again for listening I'm Joe Peterson I'm Eric Branson. I'm Ryan Seiskel and uh, I've been David Andrews thank you so much for having me again he's so beautiful <laughs> isn't he folks you have a great night this is the end for you my master it's over, Anakin! I have the high ground! You underestimate my power! Don't try it! Another happy landing. Now get out of here. What, you think you're some kind of Jedi waving your hand around like that? When the Jedi learn what has transpired here, they will kill us. Hold on. This whole operation was your idea. You're so powerful, you are. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Video Junkyard Podcast, on Twitter at Video Junk Pod.